Welcome to our daily Drive Time Devotions. We are in Romans chapter 4 this week, the chapter on faith alone. Uh, yesterday, we looked together at one of the warnings that's in this chapter about how you and I add things to faith that cause it to really not be faith any longer. Faith needs to stay pure. Yesterday, we talked about the fact that sometimes we try to earn God's approval. When we add that to faith, somehow it becomes ours rather than God's. And today, as we continue our look through Romans 4, looking at verses 9 to 12, we're going to look at a second way that we add to faith that really makes it ours and no longer faith. Don't confuse ceremony and commitment. Verses 9 and 10 of Romans 4 says, Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. When he talks about circumcision, he's talking about a a ceremony, a ritual that went along with Abraham's faith, that marked his faith, that said something about his faith. But it's important to remember, and we're going to see as we walk through these verses, that ceremony without commitment is meaningless. If you show up for a, a wedding ceremony and you have beautiful flowers and a beautiful church and all the people there, and everybody walks down the aisle, and you come to the moment of commitment where you say to the groom and you say to the bride, will you? And they look back at you and say, well, I don't know. We haven't really thought about it much. It'd be a pretty meaningless wedding. Ceremony without commitment is meaningless. Now, ceremony with commitment can be meaningful, but it isn't always meaningful. Sometimes we allow ceremony to replace commitment. We act as if the ceremony is enough. It's not. It's not. Ceremony with commitment can be meaningful, but what is it that makes it meaningful? This is one of the most important questions in our Christian life, because if we get this wrong, it can keep us from growing the way that we want to grow in our Christian life. What makes ceremony, the things that we do to exercise our faith, the things that we do that say to others that we have faith, what makes it meaningful? Well, there are two key factors. First, the right order, and second, the right reason. You have to do it in the right order, and you have to do it for the right reason, every ceremony. The right order. Here's the point in verses 9 and 10. It was before Abraham was circumcised that his faith was credited by God as righteousness. People were in Paul's day saying that a Gentile, someone who was not a Jew, had to be circumcised first before he could become a Christian. Paul sets that whole argument on his ear when he says, look, Abraham became righteous in God's sight before he was a Jew. So why are you saying that Gentiles have to become Jews before they can become Christians? Abraham had faith, was credited as righteous before he even became a Jew. In fact, it was long before. If you read the book of Genesis, he was credited as righteous in Genesis chapter 15, and it was, he wasn't circumcised until Genesis chapter 17. At least 14 years separated those two events. The point is, the ceremony didn't lead to faith. The ceremony was an expression of faith. You can't get the spiritual cart before the horse when it comes to faith. It has to be the right order. But it also, in these verses, has to be the right reason has to be the right reason. In verse 11 of Romans chapter 4, the Bible says, And he, Abraham, received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then he is the father 
of all who believe but have not been circumcised in order that righteousness might be credited to them. Now, did you hear in those verses when it talked about this ceremony, this ritual of circumcision, it says, the Bible says it is a sign and it is a, a seal. It is a sign. That means it makes your faith clear to others. It is a testimony to others of your faith. But it is also a seal. That means it makes your faith more clear to you. It is a, an assurance in your own life. Now, the Bible tells us in the New Testament that there are two outward ceremonies that Jesus specifically asked us as believers in Jesus Christ as a sign and a seal of our faith to practice. They are the outward ceremonies of baptism and the Lord's Supper. If you apply what we've just been learning to baptism and the Lord's Supper, you see the reality of what it really takes to have faith. Baptism can't happen before you make a commitment to Jesus Christ. It has to happen after you make a commitment to Jesus Christ. It has to be the right order. But it also has to be the right reason. You don't get baptized in order to be saved or to make yourself saved or to be more saved or to be even more spiritual. It's a sign and a seal. It's a sign to others that Jesus Christ and your relationship with him is the most important thing in your life, that you've committed your life to him. But it's also a seal in your own heart. It's you saying, I want more than anything else to love Jesus Christ. And so I'm willing to stand before others and give a public testimony. It's a testimony. The Lord's Supper is the same way. You don't take the Lord's Supper before you're a Christian. Why would you? It's, it's, it's a meaningless ceremony. It wouldn't do anything spiritually for you to take the Lord's Supper before you're a Christian. Just simply drinking a little juice and eating some bread doesn't change your spiritual life. It's after you become a believer, after you've accepted the meaning of the blood of Christ, which is signified by the juice, the body of Christ, which is signified by the bread. It's afterwards that it becomes meaningful. The Lord's Supper and baptism are two ceremonies, two what some would call rituals that you and I practice today because Jesus asked us to, but it has to be in the right order. And it has to be for the right reason. The last half of verse 11 through verse 12 of Romans chapter four says this. So then he, Abraham, is the father of all who believe but have not been circumcised in order that righteousness might be credited to them and he is also the father of the circumcised who not only are circumcised but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. The idea that a ceremony somehow makes you better spiritually than anyone else is nowhere in the Bible. That's why Paul says here, doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile, it's faith that makes the difference. It's not the ceremony that makes the difference. With a lot of our ceremonies, even spiritual ceremonies, we tend to exalt one person above the other. There's the feel that one person is more important than the other, or one group is more important or closer to God than the other. That's not the purpose of a spiritual ceremony. This purpose of baptism, the Lord's Supper, worship together, the purpose of these experiences that we have with God together is not to exalt any one of us. The purpose is to exalt God above all of us. It's interesting in these verses that the Bible says, Abraham is the father of all who believe but have not been circumcised. He's also the father of all who've been circumcised and have faith in Jesus Christ. Abraham is your spiritual father. We're gonna talk about this a little more later this week, but I just wanna plant in your mind the idea 
that we all have an incredible spiritual heritage. I know a lot of people I talk to wish that they had a better spiritual heritage. They grew up in a home where there wasn't a lot of talk about God. They grew up in a home where the Bible wasn't really a part of the discussion. They didn't pray as a family. And they look with sadness on the way they were brought up and just wish that they had the spiritual heritage that some other people had. Well, these verses remind us that we all have a deep and rich spiritual heritage. Abraham, the father of our faith, we all look back to him together as one who can teach us how to have faith, as a model and a mentor and a spiritual father when it comes to faith. But if I'm going to have faith, it has to be faith alone. It can't be faith plus. I can't confuse ceremony and commitment. I have to use everything in my heart, everything in my life, to express my faith to Jesus Christ with all that I am. Let's do that right now. Let's take a minute to talk to God together, pray together. In this time of prayer, would you thank Jesus for your baptism and what it meant? It may have been a short time ago. It may have been a long time ago that you were baptized. Just say to him, Jesus Christ, thank you for the opportunity to say before others that I believe in you. I don't want to forget the significance of that moment. If you've not yet been baptized and you believe in Jesus Christ, make a commitment to him now to be baptized, to say before others your love to Jesus Christ in a clear way. Thank Jesus once again for the fact that he gave his life for you. His body was given on the cross. His blood was spilled on the cross. Say to him, Jesus Christ, thank you that you love me that much. And I pray that every time I worship, every time I take the Lord's Supper, every time I see someone baptized, that I wouldn't see it as some dry, meaningless ceremony, but I'd see it as a personal expression of my love for you, of our love for you, because of what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Tomorrow, Romans chapter 4, verses 13 to 17 are going to be the uh, verses that we look at as we continue this look at how to have faith alone. Mm -hmm.